Welcome to Word Matters, presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Word Matters is a podcast dedicated to helping Christians understand some of the most confusing and controversial passages of the Bible. And now, join the conversation with your hosts, Trevin Wax and Brandon Smith. Can true Christians lose their salvation? That's the question that we will answer on this episode of Word Matters. I'm Brandon Smith, the HCSB spokesperson, uh, along with my co-host, Trevin Wax, managing editor of The Gospel Project. And today we have a uh, special guest, Dr. Tom Schreiner. He's the James Buchanan Harrison Professor of New Testament Interpretation and Professor of Biblical Theology and Associate Dean of the School of Theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's the author of numerous books, including... Uh, the King and His Beauty, a Biblical Theology of the Old and New Testament. And uh, he recently authored the Hebrews Commentary in the new uh, Biblical Theology for Christian Proclamation series uh, that we publish here at b uh, We're also proud, and I'm proud, to have um, Dr. Schreiner as the co-chairman of the HCSB Translation Oversight Committee as well. He's been super helpful with us there. So, Dr. Schreiner, thanks for jumping on with us today. Oh, it's great. It's great to be on the program with you, uh, Brandon and Trevor. <laughs> that's not the first time someone has done that um, I, i've got i've got one of those names that happens all the time uh, dr schreiner the the main question that the this passage poses uh, is about whether or not a person who is truly saved can lose their salvation or at least that's the the question that arises when we do interpretation of this passage uh, so we, we'd like to, to take a look at a few different views of the passage, and then you can uh, help bring some clarity to it. And, and, and we're, we're actually, just for the sake of our listeners, today our focus is going to be primarily on uh, the main interpretations of this passage. We will probably follow up, perhaps in the next season of the podcast, with um, a deeper dive into some of the, the different uh, uh, interpretations even within one stream on this very passage. So it, a lot of different views come up here. So um, let me go ahead. I'm going to read this from Hebrews 6, 4 through 9 from the HCSB. Uh, the text says this, For it is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, became companions with the Holy Spirit, tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away, because to their own harm they are re-crucifying the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. For ground that has drunk the rain that has often fallen on it, and that produces vegetation useful to those it is cultivated for, receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and about to be cursed, and will be burned at the end. Even though we are speaking this way, dear friends, in your case we are confident of the better things connected with salvation. Yeah, so that's Hebrews 6, 4-9 to 9 in the CSB. And so... Dr. Schreiner, there's a lot to unpack here, so so let me and Trevin here just lay out a few of these major views, and then we'll kind of dive in. Does that sound good? Two, really. Yeah, two, yeah. Um, so the first position um, held by most Arminian, Wesleyan uh, types would be uh, basically that those who fall away in this passage are um, true believers who lose their salvation. Uh, so they can be truly saved. They argue that here the, the text says that they are uh, obviously true Christians because they've experienced the Holy Spirit, they've tasted God's Word, etc. Uh, there's another view um, that some Lutherans, for example, will hold to that basically says that there's a difference between uh, those who are elect and those who are regenerate. So it's it's possible that 
this person might be a true Christian who's a regenerate Christian, but who falls away and never regains their salvation, whereas uh, somebody who's truly elect will never fall away. So it's kind of an interesting uh, nuanced position there. Um, and Trevin, you want to do the, the third view? Yeah, so the, the other view is uh, popular in more reformed streams of Christianity. Um, it, it says that this passage is not talking ultimately about true believers, uh, but about people who only appear to be believers. So true Christians will not fall away. Um, and then some others say that there, this might be referring more to a loss of heavenly rewards and not salvation. So that uh, there's lots of different sub-interpretations even under the big ones. So mm-hmm. um, there's a lot here, Dr. Schreiner. We just, we, if you would help us orient ourselves to the big picture view here, um, why, what do you believe about this passage's teaching regarding loss of salvation? Can some who are truly saved ever ultimately fall away? Yeah, I... I think it's important to recognize when we come to a passage like this that we have to account for what this passage says and what it means in its context. But at the same time, as with any other passage in Scripture, especially passages that are controversial, we also have to think about what the whole Bible says. Right. So, for example, you mentioned Arminian interpreters who think you can lose your salvation. They do explain, in some ways, well, these particular verses. But then how do they explain the verses that promise that those who belong to Christ will uh, persevere or be preserved by God's grace until the end? And I, and I think they have difficulty explaining those verses. So as you said, there's there are various ways of explaining this text in Reformed understandings, ways of explaining it that say that though this warning is a very strong one, ultimately those who belong to God will not uh, lose their salvation. And and I think I think we should say, looking at all of Scripture, such explanations are to be preferred, uh, because we have to account for the whole canon. And, and since there are good explanations out there in terms of what the warning means, I think those, those explanations should be pre- uh, preferred. If I could say a word about the, the, the idea that you could be regenerate and not elect, that is one way of explaining the warning. I think the problem, the problem with that view is I don't think there's biblical warrant for saying someone someone could be uh, regenerate without being elect. I don't think we have any grounds to defend the idea that those two ideas can be separated from one another. I mean, you think of a text like Romans eight: those whom God has foreknown and predestined, He'll also glorify. So, so where do we get this category that you can be regenerate and not elect? I, I think that's uh, not convincing. Um, another one of the Reformed views that I think is very unconvincing is the idea that this passage is just, just talking about rewards. That's, that's pretty popular. But I think the problem with it is uh, the, language is too, the language is too strong to be restricted just to rewards. Crucifying, again, the Son of God. Hmm. Uh, putting them to open shame. 
And, and then we think about the other warnings in Hebrews, and the other warnings in Hebrews help us interpret chapter 6. The other warnings speak of, in chapter 10 speak of trampling underfoot the Son of God, insulting the Spirit of grace, considering the blood of his covenant uh, defiled. So I, again, I think that language is too strong uh, to simply be talking about uh, rewards. So I think the two best answers are that it's speaking either of those who are almost Christians, and that's been really the most historic Reformed view in history, or that it's, or the author is saying that these warnings are the means by which those who belong to God are preserved in their faith. Both of those views have I think strong defenses. I I think the second is uh, a bit more convincing that it's a means of salvation. Okay, so take us a little bit further down there. Why do you? Uh, what in the text kind of gives you that indication to lean that way? Uh, maybe that, and in the context of Hebrews, of course, as well. So uh, when when you look at history, the history of interpretation, I, I just want to say that you have these great reform thinkers. John Calvin, John Owen, John Gill, some people know him, a great Baptist interpreter. Um, today, and today uh, Roger Nicole, who just in the last few years passed away, and, and Wayne Grudem, a well-known uh, theologian, have all defended the view that these people are almost Christians. So the question really focuses on those descriptions in 6, 4, and 5. Are those who are enlightened, those who have tasted the heavenly gift, those who are sharers of the Spirit, and who have uh, tasted the goodness of God's Word and the power of the age to come, are they Christians or not? Or are they almost Christians? And, and Grudem and others make a great defense that they're almost Christians, that they're not quite Christians. I myself am not persuaded by that, though. I think the most natural way of interpreting those descriptions is, is to say that the author is talking about those who are truly believers. And, and I would highlight, we don't have time to get into all the details, but I would highlight uh, the statement that they were, they're sharers of the Holy Spirit. Um, I agree with Spurgeon. Spurgeon says about that phrase, what clearer way could a writer say that a person is a believer than to say that they're sharers of the Spirit? That is the mark in, in the New Testament that you're a Christian. When there's a debate about whether you have to be circumcised to be saved in Galatians 3 and Acts 15, the argument is, no, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved because you've received the Holy Spirit. So uh, I think that's very clear, and maybe just a, a word when it says... Uh, They've tasted the heavenly gift. The almost Christian view says, well, they've just sipped it. They've just <laughs> sipped it. They haven't really been saved. But the author uses the verb taste in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, of Jesus dying. Jesus tasted that. And I don't think that means Jesus just sipped that. <laughs> I think it means that, that he fully experienced it. So if we actually look at the way the author of Hebrews uses the word taste, I think it's difficult to say that we're talking only about a partial experience of of saving blessings. So if that's true, I think that's those five descriptions are the crucial issue. 
Then he's talking about Christians, and I would argue that God uses warnings, the severe warnings, as a means to keep us on the right road. So, so you you actually would be up until up at this point. If we're just listening to how you are interpreting those that description there in those first verses, you would line up with most Arminians and Wesleyans in agreement that this does refer to genuine Christians. Um, it's it's simply when it comes to um, the the positioning of this warning and the and the the means by that it plays the the. Um, uh, the impact that it has in in salvation, you would place that differently, and so you would you would have a difference of outcome when it comes to the Wesleyan uh, interpretation. Although you would recognize the strength of the Arminian belief that this does in fact refer to true Christians, is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. In fact, when people first hear hear my description, they think you, you sound like you're an Arminian. That's, <laughs> that's, that's how they read it. Interestingly, the free grace view also agrees, you know, the notion that it's talking only about rewards, that's what I mean by free grace. They also agree, agree that it's Christians. Even, even the view that we talked about earlier, that they're regenerate, implies they're Christians. So, the only view, I would say, the only view that argues that they're not Christians is this particular reform view that's been very popular. Hmm. So, so there's a, is there a way in which looking at this passage and seeing these warnings um, that that he's giving here, that he's giving to these Christians here, that these are true Christians? These, is there a way in which these warnings are off, also a way of offering maybe assurance or comfort or hope to the Christians, so that? Um, and maybe it's a couple of verses later, even. But but how would you how would you look at it in terms of assurance and comfort, not just kind of warning, condemnation, scared, you know, that kind of thing? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah exactly. I would say I, right, verse nine. Verse nine, he says, uh, "We're we're assured of better things concerning you and things accompanying salvation." I think he means by that, we're assured that you will heed the strong warning. So I, I think it's important to recognize the um, the almost Christian view interprets this passage in a way that's introspective. Right. You ask yourself the question, am I really a, a Christian? The, the, the view I'm proposing isn't introspective, so it doesn't threaten assurance. It's not asking you... Mm-hmm. Are you alive? It's saying instead, keep running the race, keep trusting. I think that fits with chapter eleven. By the way, he's not—he's not asking them to introspect. It's there are places where Scripture asks us to introspect, but that's not what he's doing here. He's not asking us to examine ourselves and see whether we're Christians. He's saying, keep running the race. So it's like a coach. You know, my daughter ran cross-country and track, and, her, and, and when she'd run cross-country, the coach would meet her at certain points in the course and would urge her to keep running. But he never asked her, are you really running the race? <laughs> you see the difference? Yeah, yeah, that's really helpful. The question isn't, are you running the race? It's keep running the race. But as you keep running the race, that's what gives you assurance. What gives you assurance is the fact that you keep trusting Jesus as you go. 
So I actually believe these passages build assurance. They don't quench it. They they, uh, furnish more assurance to us as believers. So, so Dr. Schreiner, you've, you've already shifted um, a little bit into an analogy, uh, an illustration as to how you would um, take the truth of this passage and apply it uh, to, to someone who's listening. And we, we like to wrap up this podcast uh, every episode. We like to ask the question of how we would preach or teach this passage. What what suggestions do you have? This is a difficult text. I, I, I was actually assigned it by my pastor a couple of years ago to preach, and I had to do more extensive uh, uh, research and study on this passage than all, many other passages that I've preached before. Um, and so I'd just be curious as to what suggestions you would give the the pastor or the Sunday school teacher or uh, somebody who's walking w- through this text uh, with someone. What what advice? What counsel would you give them as they as they try to uh, to preach this this truth? Yeah, I well, I think you know one thing I'd say is uh, sort of where we began. We have to look at all of Scripture when we preach a passage like this, and I don't think it's wrong to bring in texts of assurance. It depends on where your congregation is. It depends on the situation of your hearers. Every wise pastor uh, recognizes, well, where is my congregation? What do I need to say to make sure I'm not misunderstood? Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, there's not a formula there. We, we have to, we have to assess uh, if, if our congregation. It's like counseling. Where is the person? How much do we have to say about the assurance text of God preserving us when we preach this? So there's not one rule, but it's not for every congregation, but it's not wrong to think about uh, other, bringing in other texts to help explain this. But I, but I would say, I like to say, how would I summarize this text? I think we can summarize this text in what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you deny me, I'll deny you. I would argue that's what this passage is doing. God is saying to us what Jesus said. If you fully and finally turn away from Jesus, if you deny him, he'll deny you on the final day. And that, that functions as a motivation to keep following him. If, if you turn away from Jesus, as chapter 10 says, there's no forgiveness for you. So that warning is sobering. I want my people to hear how sobering that is. I want them, there, there is a kind of fear, but it's not a, it's not a paralyzing fear. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a fear that, uh, it's the kind of fear, and I use a couple of illustrations. It's the kind of fear we use when we drive. Uh, you know, you, when you drive, you, at least hopefully you don't drive with paralyzing fear. <laughs> but you do drive with a kind of fear that gives you confidence. In other words, you watch what's going on. I don't close my eyes when I drive, because I know that's dangerous. <laughs> so there's, there's a kind of fear that's helpful. Or when my kids were young, I would say to them, if you run out in the street... I will spank you really hard. So why did I say that? So that they'd have a kind of fear that would keep them safe. Mm. So I think we can use illustrations like that as well to help people understand that the warnings are God's loving uh, way of keeping us in line. They're like they're like the goads or sticks you use to keep uh, to keep uh, cattle or sheep in line. 
it's they're they're sort of, sort of like our sheepdogs. So, I mean, there's just various illustrations we can use to talk about how God keeps us uh, following Jesus. Yeah, that's really helpful, Doctor Schreiner. I think you just you preached a good sermon there already. We can just go ahead and lock that up and and turn it into a podcast sermon. Uh, thank you so much for jumping on with us, Trevor. Thank you so much for uh, Trevor. Co-hosting. Did you just say Trevor? Yeah, Trevor. Yeah. Please, thank you so much for. <laughs> And uh, thank you all for listening. (laughs) We will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Word Matters is presented by the Holman Christian Standard Bible, a translation that is faithful to the original languages but clear for today's readers. Find out more at hcsb.org.